This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, my name is Maya Contreras, and this is Obscene Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with political wonk and writer Stephen Robinson about the results of the 2020 South Carolina primary. We also dive right on in with our thoughts about how we feel this election season has gone thus far, who should stay in or drop out of the primaries, and who would make a good vice president. Stephen Robinson is a writer for Wonkette, an online political commentary periodical with a very humorous bent. He is based in Portland, Oregon. Stephen is also a playwright. Last year, he co-wrote the world premiere adaptation of Tom Robbins' Jitterbug Perfume for the immersive theater Cafe Nordo in Seattle's Pioneer Square. He's excited to collaborate again with co-artistic directors Aaron Brindley and Tom Podorsky for Curiouser and Curiouser, a modern take on Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. This production is an ambitious, multi-story, multi-room musical experience with a six-course tasting menu included with admission. Cafe Nordo is not just a great theater space. It's also one of Seattle's best bars and restaurants all in one. He's thrilled to add his own style of humor to an evening of eat mez and drink mez. The play runs from April 2nd to May 31st. You can go right now to rabbithole.art. That's rabbithole.art for details and to purchase tickets. I could have spoken to Stephen all day and basically did. So this podcast episode is a little bit longer than usual. But since the primary has been messy... It took us some extra time to sort it all out. So here is our conversation. Enjoy. Well, this is exciting. I am a big fan of yours, uh, obviously, just from our own interactions, but just the, the actual what you put out into the universe uh, is really cool. So uh, and this is just an exciting pre Super Tuesday post. Um, yes. Well, thank you. I'm a big fan of yours Thank because, you. and, and honestly, I love it's the titles you come up with for your articles. Your articles are brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. All in themselves, but the titles to just like add that extra layer of icing to them. You know? <laughs> I <laughs> just read, much. I just read your newest one. Tom Steyer exits race after his plaid tie crushing loss in South Carolina primary. Yes. Oh, I, I, yes. I'm, I'm very interested in your thoughts on Steyer and on, on, on South Carolina. Um, well, well, let's get into it because I actually want to hear about your article when you even wrote that. Did you write it right off the cuff last night? Cause we're recording now, so let's, we could get oh, into it. Yeah. So, um, I wrote the Steyer piece, like when he dropped out, I, this morning, I kind of did the sort of obit on his campaign. I've been following it for a while. Uh, as I mentioned the piece, I had, my dad, I grew up in South Carolina, so I have a strong connection to it. And I was talking to my father, 
And it was just so interesting to hear how, like, for someone who's not in the, in, you know, the, the Twitter verse of just, right. it was just really three people, like mm-hmm. Bernie, Biden, obviously, and Steyer. Like, Steyer was everywhere. Um, right. His wife had um, gone to my, had spoken at my dad's church before any, you know, Amy Klobuchar got like a list of black churches, which I remember she got that list after New Hampshire. And I wanted to kind of tell her, it's like, it's going to be a big list. You know, I'm from the, like, you know, my people, our people have a lot of churches. Like that's going to be a big list. (laughs) Like It's not like there's five. It's like, I'll just hit those five and we'll, no, no, no. We are very religious. (laughs) They're like, is there just like a list of short lists of Presbyterian, just like one or two? We're like, no, no, no. No. I know I lived in Georgia. My dad lives in Georgia. So to me, it's just like to say something like that last minute also shows you like a lack of commitment and also a, a lack of understanding oh, totally. um you know yeah because steyer at least and we can you know the shadiness of some of the consultants the ridiculous fees was paying for consultants which is kind of right. in a way business like you want to if you want to bankrupt a company you offer someone you know twice their salary to come over to you it's right. just a little shady in politics right. and um but for all of that, and of course, with Kamala Harris's um, uh, voter information, which was the, her data about the data that yeah. was very shady as well. They fired mm-hmm. the person, but like, it's like, well, how do you still get to compete if yeah. that's happened? But all that aside, Steyer was the only one who seemed to have a clear sense of this. These are the people I need to connect with, relate right. to, get their support. And that's the only way I beat Biden. Like he right. seemed to have a realistic plan and everyone else like Klobuchar and Buttigieg were in this, what I would call, I call it the MSNBC uh, morning Joe echo chamber of right. what the ideal Democrat is. So you get, mm-hmm. there's this media bias. If you listen to, especially since the beginning of the primary. So you're all your never Trumpers, your Rick Wilson's, your Tom Nichols, um, even your Nicole Wallace's, Jennifer Rubin. Jennifer might be an exception to this somewhat, but generally speaking, they loved Buttigieg, loved um, Klobuchar, and was never like Castro just, oh, how dare Castro try to debate right. Joe Biden. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, um, Kamala Harris, despite having won statewide, despite uh, as senator and as attorney general, was an empty mm-hmm. suit. They talked about her like she was like a flighty, like, Oh, look at her trying to connect with young people and dance like a black woman and wear that, you know, famous, um, you know, outfit that she got at the beauty parlor. Like, oh, Oh, yeah, the rainbow. She's not smart. Like Buddha just, oh, like he, you know, he's got all he's, you know, it's like, well, actually, Cory Booker, Castro, every pretty much everyone, every minority running is no less intelligent, is has gone to these schools or whatever. But, have more people vote for them. Yes, exactly. Like statewide. And there was never that sense of respect for them. There was just the yeah. salivating for these people who had no path. You know, you and right. I have to fill up. You have no path. Yeah. And their campaign was so geared towards like, you know, like when Buttigieg was talking to the, the Tea Party when he was running for mayor or, you know, um, Klobuchar talking about oh, well, the best thing we, you know, my uncle Dick at the deer stand and let's speak to, you know, flipping Republicans and everything is very narrow to those two 
right. these white rural working class voters, which is mm-hmm. not the argument I always made. It, it would be like a if one the Republican primary started in Oregon. There are Republicans in Oregon. I'm in Oregon, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. obviously aren't reflective of the party. And you right. had Republicans just clearly trying to reach, um, you know, crossover Democrats and not actually speaking to religion. And then later, like, oh, maybe we'll go to a church. I think white evangelicals mm-hmm. vote in our primary, right? Like, right. that would be absurd. <laughs> absurd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. It, no, I'm yeah, with so you. No, yeah, it, very, it, it's just very frustrating because it was like there was never, obviously, and this is not meant as a endorsement of Sanders, it was just whenever everyone says Bernie Sanders was going to be this colossal McGovern-esque wipeout, down-ballot right. disaster, it was like, okay, well, they just released polls showing Black men like voting for Trump against Buttigieg. They were voting for Trump 30%. Right. That's fatal. Yeah, fatal. absolutely. Yeah. Are, Rust Belt gone, tons of state, that and. When that echo chamber is not reflective of this, when you believe and you look at the Obama, how we won, and you mm-hmm. say, okay, we need 94%, 95%, or 90% minimum of any mm-hmm. demo, 70% mm-hmm. of, of another demo, uh, Latinx voters, mm-hmm. and somehow we have nothing but it. We will essentially vote for someone who has no connection to these groups. Like, right. it's just not... There's, if you look at, you know, basically the ideal scenarios, we win 40% of white voters, 90% of black voters, 70% of, uh, at least 70% of Hispanic voters, that mm-hmm. would imply you need Obama, you need Castro, you need right. the, like, Mala Harris. You, the idea that you're going to, I mean, Joe Biden is an exceptional case where he has the receipts, he has this relationship with the mm-hmm. community. And so these other folks, it's like, there's this weird sense in our party where we are fight we wish that we had these white kind of perhaps archie bunker democrats of sorts that's what we you know joy reed had said that it's like democrats wish this was our base and it's not right yeah and republicans don't wish their base wasn't their base they they double in on their base and just like you're running if you're going up against donald trump donald trump is going to turn out the fox news viewer because he's the fox news viewer he doesn't have to fake the funk you know, yeah. as Bootsy said, he is that base. He's authentic. You know, as much as you hate his hate rallies, he's so authentic there. That's like yeah. he is he is connecting to them. And, and he makes them feel like they are important and that their vote is important. Absolutely. And so they they definitely feel valued. And one of my things that I've had an issue with with the MSNBC, CNN, 24-hour news cycles is, like you said, I'm going to echo a little bit of what you said. Um, I have been stunned, even on like Joy Reid's show, that they could not look at the data and see that some of these candidates never had a pathway. I was even surprised when Jonathan Capehart really uh, went hard into the paint for Buttigieg as well. The day after Kamala Harris had a great speech uh, in in Vegas, I think, I mean, it's kind of iconic. She's walking through like the smoke down this long stage and she gave this speech of her life. And I tuned in next day to see the kind of the, uh, to see what the punditry would be. And he immediately talked about how Pete was the next Obama. And, um, It was incredibly disappointing. I I called him out on Twitter. And one of the reasons why I totally understand it when you feel attached to a candidate, when you feel good about a candidate, but at the same time, there 
what I um, have been saddened by or nervous about is that the they're ignoring the data. Absolutely. And, and so that, and that's still or been, even ignoring what made is kind of like in a weird product marketing standpoint, what made this film successful or this book successful. And if you right. look at, a, if you're trying to look at Obama callously as a product, it, mm. it seemed like they're looking at him as his success was, and I find this fascinating. Um, and, and uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. It feels like you get really the Buddha judge Obama comparison. It's kind of demonstrated that so many not all, but a lot of white liberals and maybe obviously K parts black, but he falls in that of like, yeah. oh, Obama's appeal was he was so well spoken. He right. was so smart. He was yeah. like, you know, he was this academic and whatever that made them respect a black man running. Oh, and that absolutely. was totally different from how black people connected to him. He right. was a community organizer. So he showed mm-hmm. up with receipts. It's like, I could have, yeah, I, I went to the South Side and met my wife in Chicago. I could have gone to, I, I didn't go to New York and make a lot of money and and, and on Wall Street. I mm. was helping black people. Yeah. That's what I did as community organizer, which is something that, you know, Republicans and some Democrats dismissed as nothing, but it was really something that is how he got a lot of support Absolutely. because he was in the community. Absolutely. And so, but if you look electorally, his biggest weakness was that he was viewed as Professor Obama. Right. So when... I was stunned. It was just, well, I looked at the same obits as everyone else at the 2016. Hillary Clinton's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we're doing too well with suburban nights. Schumer thought that for every white working class voter we lost in the Rust Belt to Trump or the GOP, we would pick up two more in the suburbs, right? There was this whole right. plan and it did not work. And then afterward, it was like, oh, we need you know, we've got to get another Sherrod Brown or this, the guy who could connect with labor and everything. That's our path. And then suddenly they're chasing Buddha Judge, who was like, oh, well, he speaks Norwegian. He speaks all these languages and he's this and that. And it's like, well, that has been proven to be a problem. Like that yeah. is not the Democratic Party. That's not the base. You're also listening to never Trumpers who, why do you trust their advice? They had no idea. They did not uh, understand their uh-huh. own base. Yeah. You know, you know, Jennifer Rubin, Rick Wilson, Tom Nilkin. Tom uh, Nichols were having complete nervous breakdowns. Bill Crystal as well. Bill Crystal famously is like, Trump will get no delegates. They had no idea. Right. They thought Rubio was their candidate. And yet we have Democrats thinking, oh, the wisdom of Rick Wilson. It's like, well, no, they don't yeah. even understand their own base. So it's yeah. very disappointing the idea of like, well, if you don't know why Obama succeeded, how can we actually replicate that? Like when you talk about the next Obama, it's not just some speeches. Also, and I mentioned this in the Tom Steyer um, piece I wrote, like the last 10 years did happen. So the idea of wanting to go back to like, you know, I was someone, I've admitted this as well. I kind you know, in my, in 2008, I jumped on the Obama bandwagon opposed to Hillary because I, oh, post-partisanship, happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, hope, change, that's everything. And Hillary at the time was like, this is ridiculous. These guys are going to come after us. You know, look what they did. Like she was still had the scars from, Mm -hmm. you know, the Clinton years. She did not trust Republicans. She did not believe. And, but the idea was that it was all her baggage. Republicans going to be so nice to anyone else. And I felt the Obama years was about, no, the quickest, what they want, they're, you know, total, total war. And they're not going to work with you. And if right. your idea is like, oh, well, I'll, I'll bring the nation together and something. And I've said before, look, if you can disagree with 
Sanders policies or Warren's policies. You think those are pie in the sky, but Buttigieg or Klobuchar talking about some new post-partisan age of oh, it's insane. everyone hope that's just you're still lying to to voters. Yeah. And, when, and then when people respond it, it's like, well, they have to say that that's what suburban whites want to hear. It's like, okay, well now you're saying it's okay to lie to certain voters, mm-hmm. but not to you know young people under college debt or black people who like just want a fighter in it, you know, Biden at least um, was at least saying like, this racism is wrong. This racism is bad. Like this is something that, because if you're a black person, it's like, well, I don't necessarily know if I want to join hands with these people after the past 10 years, I like, they've been actively attacking me. I want someone who will want to defend me more so than kind of feel like you're trying to apologize for being liberals and that maybe you'll let us run things if we're kind of like responsible Republicans. I mean, the shift, the idea of the Democratic Party becoming a good Republican Party and then the Republican Party just being a bunch of gangsters, I don't see (laughs) as, which is the Bloomberg thing, because that was, that was what, oh my God, what's becoming, what would there, you know, his election is arguably, that would be worse than, than Sanders, because you get to say, yeah. okay, there's a liberal ring of our party that mm-hmm. won this year. We got wiped out. But if we're just mm-hmm. suddenly like, oh no, we just, everything we've said about Me Too and oh, you know, yeah. police brutality and, and, yeah, and cor- corporate, we're totally corporate, we're totally this. It all, you know, we will elect any Republican basically as long as they are not, they don't, in, you know, interfere in elections, which creates yeah. a very low bar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as a as a New Yorker who lived through the Bloomberg administration and saw what he did here, um, from everything from stop and frisk to um, killing off art, like whole artist communities here. I mean, oh, yeah. New York okay. is basically a shopping mall now, and he wanted to create that. He wanted to create a billionaire. He said he wanted to create a billionaire playground. That is a quote from him. Um, <laughs> It is insane. So let's let's talk a little bit about about the um, results, and then I definitely want to dip back into Bloomberg and Steyer and the money they spent. So we saw the the final results of um, the election um, in South Carolina. What I was what I found interesting was that Sanders really didn't improve with black voters, and he only received about ten thousand more votes than he did in. 2016. So he received 96,000 votes in South Carolina. This year, he received 105,000 votes. Um, why do you think that, why do you think pundits have a hard time not recognizing the numbers with Sanders? Um, because it, for me, when I'm looking at the data, I don't see that he has grown his base. I, he is doing particularly well with Latinx voters. And, mm. um, and I can see how his outreach has been versus Biden's outreach. Um, I know that uh, I have friends that are, that are in Las Vegas. I have a friend that's there that's a dreamer. Um, I know that Sanders was a um, little bit more kind of uh, folksy about it. You got on the ground sure. with them. You know, they had barbecues and, you know, they did sock, played soccer. And um, Biden, to me, where his that I see his issue is that he still – doesn't want to make huge promises, but I feel like he doesn't know how to language discussing immigration. And let me just say, as I am a black woman and I am a Latinx woman, um, so I know that neither of my communities that I am in are single 
issue voters. Were, and that's the thing that people keep misunderstanding. Like, black people only care about this. Yeah. And let the, well, <laughs> that's I what, mean, that goes back, and I'll answer your, your question, obviously, and go back yeah. to, to the, the Humala thing. It's like, I've said before, I'm sorry, if, you're, if you need, I call it the Colin Powell theory. Colin Powell yeah. voted for Obama, even right. though he probably politically agreed more with McCain. If you right. are asking for 95% of any demo, 90% of any demo, you're going to need someone from that demo because that is why we are voting. We connect with them. It's kind of like, okay, well, I'm a Republican, but my uh, oh, man, I, I connect with her as someone from my neighborhood, someone for whatever, mm-hmm. I'm going to vote for her. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if it's just two white people, then it's like, I'll vote for the person who is going to lower my taxes because I, you know, there are moderates and conservatives in the, in among black people. And Democrats yes. seem to take that for granted. It's like, yes. well, and especially with stop and frisk, it's like, okay, well, you're literally giving no reason for black people to vote again. I mean, that would have been a wipeout. You definitely would have gotten young black people voting for, for Trump in certain numbers mm-hmm. compared to Bloomberg. But to Sanders, I think, w- did do probably less bad <laughs> with black voters. He's shown progress. People have gotten yeah. very excited about that progress. He's certainly, mm-hmm. I mean... If you look at how Hillary stomped him, he, she stomped yeah. him overwhelmingly. So yeah. like seventy. So I think from delegate wise, seventy five percent. You know, in Mississippi, seventy five percent. These margins really did matter when she was losing mm-hmm. other states to him or coming up in a draw. Same with like her Latinx support was key. I mean, people keep forgetting that. That's how she mm-hmm. fought. You know, almost fought Obama to a draw. And right. almost, uh, you know, and that's how she were able to, to stomp uh, Sanders in Texas and Florida. Um, my kind of theory, uh, and and as someone in your kind of both worlds in this, is mm. that, you know, the black community has a very long term history and commitment to the Democratic Party. I'm not entirely sure that's the same with Latinx voters for it's, many yeah, reasons. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I think. Bush got like 43% mm-hmm. of Latinx voters just only 20 years, uh, 20, uh, less than 20 years ago in 2004. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is very hard to run against the Democratic Party and try to win black voters. Um, yeah. That's just going to be very difficult. And in many ways, I mean, Buttigieg is doing that. I mean, I, I have quote unquote defended Sanders by saying, well, well, how can someone run against the establishment? Whatever, that's wrong. It's like, well, every candidate does that. Every candidate runs against the establishment. And when Buddha judges yeah. like, well, run, let me run because, which is very annoying if you are a person of color or, you know, a woman of any shade who has yeah. had this young white guy come into the to the company you're at. And it's like, okay, well, sure, I have no experience, but you guys have been, you know, ruining things for years. I'll make it all better. Oh, so yeah. it's the whole other thing of like, well, Washington experience and so dismissing that. Well, if you're in a primary dismissing Washington, you're talking about Maxine Waters. You're talking about, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Jim Clyburn. You're talking like you you are hitting. And that connection that we have, again, Clyburn speech, that yeah. that every if you're going to run not just for presidency, but for anything, the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. everyone should watch Jim Clyburn's endorsement of uh, Joe Biden. Like when he oh, talks about that. going to. <laughs> it's just, you know, that, and again, as we grew, growing up in the South, we met like that woman in that church, that asking, that connection, that is something so specific to our people, so specific mm-hmm. to, and that connection to the Democratic Party, the weight that he has in making that endorsement. And again, the the respect that Biden 
ha- you know, has, has within the party because of what he's done and the work he's done. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I mean, obviously, black people are the only ones who aren't chasing shiny new toys. So, obviously, right. like, Trump set the world on fire. Our global reputation is terrible. Hey, mm-hmm. maybe let's choose the former vice president and 30-year yeah. senator and not this former small-town mayor because of his potential. Because that's not yeah. how we get jobs. So maybe yeah. we're not thinking in a maybe we're in a different place. But we that's usually too get, logical. That's yeah, too we have logical. to get jobs because we can do it and we're qualified. <laughs> no one's ever, ever given me a job because of my potential. I had to get in and kick butt. No, it just doesn't happen. No one's like, oh, well, he's so smart. It's like I've had that's been proven because I have done something, right? Not because yeah. of any speech that I stole from someone else. Uh so I think that's why this primary too, um, and again, you know, I, I'm on Twitter and I know that, and, and we both know we're on Twitter and we know that that's not representative of the entire United States. It kind of gives us a microcosm look into some issues, but, you know, we talk to people in real life around us and for my friends that are also black or queer or different, all of us were, um, I don't want to say triggered because that's ridiculous, but we were all frustrated with how the media quickly lavished attention onto Pete and just were so utterly hard on Castro and Kamala Booker or just ignored them and their accomplishments. And to me, that was hiring discrimination in action. Like it's like live action, hiring discrimination yeah. It's what we've all been gaslight, gaslighted to see. Like, yeah. it's what we've all experienced, every black person, mm-hmm. regardless of age. And you're seeing it. Like, I've yeah. lived it. I've seen places where I've put, you know, the black, the, the black lady manager with X amount of experience up for this promotion. She doesn't get it. And the comment of someone, the, the young Pete, and I'm told, it's like, oh, well, he's boardroom ready. It's like, well, you said Here's the requirements you were looking for. He doesn't have them. Mm-hmm. She does. Oh, well, he's <laughs> going to be great for clients. He's going to be like all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff that happens. And so to hear it repeated in this context yeah. so so openly, what I mean, triggered is a very good word because you're just yeah. in, I'm in, it's enraging because, yes. you know, like the idea of like, it's not even him versus, and I know that a lot of women, a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters felt this way with Obama um, the idea of the young man coming, taking the job. There's a lot of right. weird intersectionality with this. But, well, at the mm-hmm. same time, he's yes, he's young. Yes, he's the guy coming mm-hmm. in the job, but he's also, here's what he was able to achieve without any real connections, right? Right. Like, he's a black guy with, obviously not married to a former president, not in a world mm-hmm. where he could move about as, as well as any white person. And, yeah. you know, constitutional law scholar, he was able to rack up these things. But again, Buttigieg is being compared to Obama, who did not run for president, you know, uh, until he was in his mid forties. Has not won been statewide, statewide office. Election. Yeah, yeah, he he had far more achievements. But yeah, I mean, Castro was a was a mayor a bit of a bigger mm-hmm. city, was a cabinet level position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything and the intelligence thing, I think, was the one that was always frustrating because it's just we see that so often. Yeah. When people, you know, I had a a, a woman recent, you know, um, talk about she liked Pete Booker was still in the, in the race, and she was just like, oh, about how well, how moving Buddha just was, how well he spoke, and she didn't think mm-hmm. um, uh, Booker was that eloquent. Oh gosh. Yeah, like, and this is a woman in her forties, 
and yeah. you're like, well, a white woman in her forties, and you're like, oh my, did you get that? Like, don't you get how? I don't want to say racist, but just all the rule. Like, oh my, I thought we understood. It's a racist this, idea. Like, no, yeah, it's a racist it's, idea. It's just Definitely. A, we, like, ha, it, it's just a strange. It's like because he's not. You know, he's he's not. It's not that he's not eloquent. He speaks. You know, Booker is a wonderfully charming person, and it's he just so is. weird. And he's and he's smart and he's passionate. Yeah. And then his whole emperor new clothes, like Buddha Judge, not even authentically. You know, when they revealed of how he's just basically mimicking Obama. Oh like, yeah. Like, oh, you saw that tape side the tape side by side where he was basically oh, yes. repeating what Obama was saying. Yeah. And also I, I heard um a, an opponent of his in his mayoral race, she said that uh, he lied on stage, they got off stage, and he just says, I do what it takes to win. And I know that's politics, but it was also very creepy to hear oh, yeah. that. Well it it is his he is opportunistic in ways that everyone would freak out if he said that. It's like, oh, all right, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you called Kamala Harris opportunistic for just yeah. basically pantsing Biden during a debate, just like right. doing her job, right? Like right. she was called calculating. Again, from the MSNBC media echo chamber, the people who turned against her were yeah. those folks who then would later, so the same people, the Jennifer Rubens and Nicole Wallace's would then be oh, wow, Amy Klobuchar was so good in that debate. It's like, well, it's the same. She was also giving zingers. Um, And so it was kind of clear as to what would be reacted to. Klobuchar herself, you know, of all irony, comparing Castro to Trump for dinging um, Biden in a debate because he he didn't remember something and um, Castro leapt into that which mm-hmm. is how it works like you right. he exposed a weakness and he went after it it's like oh that was like trump like which is a very like you know you got to be very careful lady comparing any minority to a president who minorities are terrified of right it's just very Absolutely. offensive it's like his problem is not just mean tweets right um, exactly. so <laughs> which for a lot of suburban whites that is the issue so I Absolutely. feel like within our party, there's a, there's that schism. It's what I call yeah. the, the, you know, so many um, uh, white friends, some white friends of mine on Facebook would be like, oh, you know, a Biden Kasich ticket. I'm like, what what the hell are you talking about? Well, okay, you know, I'd vote for Kasich after a Trump. I'd vote for Kasich. And it's like, you know, have you looked at the guy's record? Yes, he talks mm-hmm. politely, but he's crazy anti-abortion. He's not, you know, list of all Republican things. It was kind of like, right. okay. You know, let's just agree that we would, okay, would like, you know, Republicans and Democrats to not break the law and to not sexually harass people and not, yeah. you know, uh, be rude to people on Twitter, but also polite Republicanism isn't necessarily great either. It is still, exactly. it is still ruining our neighborhoods, yes. still, you know, still uh, uh, putting kids in cages and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it is an interesting, I, you know, I'm I'm curious your thoughts as to how the party moves forward with such I feel schism ideologically, culturally, that it's been hard to kind of reconcile from a sense well, of not really respecting the black base and so forth. It's it's been interesting to me because um <clears throat> I'm going to say this in kind of a mean way. There's been this like liberal white savior delusion that's happened mm-hmm. where they 
feel like any of the white candidates are going to kind of come in and kind of fix things. And, and I'm trying to explain to them that um, some of them have very good policies that could help, but there is like this lack of of intersectionally looking at this election. Mm-hmm. And um, even when I'm just talking to them about down ballot races, there's this, it, it's, it's been probably the most frustrating primary of my life. So let me just Absolutely. say, let me start with that. It's been the most frustrating <laughs> as well. Yes. Because to me, I think people want to have a change election. And um, some of them that are talking about Bernie Sanders, I've had lots of conversations in real life with Bernie Sanders uh, supporters, and they are they say, "Well, you you don't support him because um, you 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 know you're not looking at the big picture. Um, you're fearful of not supporting someone like that." I'm like, "What do you mean by that?" And they said, "Well, you aren't able to dream big." <laughs> I said, "You mean as far as far as policy? No, I I do dream big, but I want to I want a politician that actually centers marginalized communities and vulnerable groups and populations. He centers class, and that is something that I I don't think it doesn't fix racism. Absolutely. And and so one of the things that that I've seen with a lot of white people that I've been talking to on Facebook or Twitter." They keep trying to tell me, and this is why I'm saying the white savior thing, they keep trying to tell me that his policies are going to save everybody. They're going to save black communities. They're going to save kids in cages. And I just said, I do not see how that happens if you cannot win the White House, let alone flip the Senate and win win the House, keep the House. I do not see how any of those policies happen when you have a person that has not passed more than seven pieces of legislation that has um, that some of that legislation was renaming a post office. And one of my frustrations that I've had with people on Facebook and Twitter is them not seeing not seeing what a good legislature legislator is versus a good talker. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and and that is something that is very infuriating to me. I've been, I've done a lot of studying about Newt Gingrich, which is very nuts. Mm-hmm. But um, Newt Gingrich and Bernie Sanders have a lot of similar language. Someone will say it's a populist language. I'm not talking about being a populist, but a populist language of anti-establishment. Newt Gingrich said that. Um, Bernie Sanders says that. Uh, Newt Gingrich said revolutionary. You know, Bernie Sanders says that. And the difference is that Newt Gingrich meticulously planned a way to other the Democratic Party and other the Republican Party. He came up with language to attach welfare with Democratic Party and freedom with Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And he meticulously planned how they were going to steal things from marginalized groups. When I look at Bernie Sanders, all of the stuff that he says – um, Medicaid for all, all that. I'm on board. Free college? Sure. Sounds good. You want to forgive all my loans? Fantastic. I have a master's degree. I got a ton of loans. Okay. <laughs> but how are you going to do that? And that's where my frustration comes in with this election. Yeah. Because yeah. talking about this idea of like revolution without talking about a plan, and that's the thing is Republicans have been meticulously planning this moment for 45 years. When they got the Federalist Society on board, when, um, when they got all of their think tanks in line, they, they have millions and millions of dollars. And I know that Bernie yeah. Sanders people say, hey, we get these $7 donations, we donate high, and that's great. But the second, I will say this because I want to get your thoughts on this. What I keep telling people is that the Democratic Party 
is not a party the way the Republican Party is. We are broken mm. up into coalitions. We are not, Republican parties are like, oh, white guys voting, we're in line, we lockstep, go. Democratic yeah. parties don't like that because we well, have. They're, they're much more. And the issue with Trump from the start had been he was somewhat, he was the, the, the it of the party. He was the, the Fox News, Rush Limbaugh yeah. voter at the head of the party. They didn't want, they wanted that guy just voting. They didn't want that guy running things. But ultimately mm-hmm. they thought, okay, well, I mean, Paul Ryan was giddy on election day because he believed, okay, he's going to sign our stuff. And for the most part he did. I mean, yeah. there's few, there are few areas like on trade that he's, you know, not entirely in line with them, but otherwise he is. That's very different from Sanders. So the idea of Sanders being able to, Sanders was not going to be able to, He's going to ha- have struggle to get a lot of Democrats in line with his policies because yes. they fundamentally disagree, as opposed to ninety-eight point nine percent of Trump's, you know, policies line up with the GOP standard. Absolutely, so that's the one. You know, the one issue. What's disappointing about this primary is again, there's like again the Dream Big coalition. As you said, no one centering black people, which is a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, so. And then you have the Klobuchar, Buttigieg wing, um, and I, I think Biden is not entirely in that wing of sense of centering white voters in, in suburban sense of stability. We'll make everything normal right. again. You can go back mm-hmm. to brunch. You know, a lot of you know, seeing the white <laughs> women joke about this. I wish I could I go back to photos. not caring. A, I can't wait. Till yeah. I can go back to not caring about politics again. So and taking photos a, of brunch. That's what I say too. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> so, like, if you're us, you'd be like it's very shocking when you see a white woman post that of like, I can't wait to have this election. I don't have to care about politics again because we've been yeah. politics. We've been caring. It's like, wait a minute. When Trayvon Martin was killed, you didn't mm-hmm. care about stuff when, I mean, I knew they didn't, but it's like, yeah. so, well, you know, Ferguson, all this, that's just, and, and, and essentially that's the wing of the party that's going to be like, Oh, we just want to keep the lid on. Well, everything will be cool. Yeah. And, and inoculated, which isn't, also, it, you are not going to get very good turnout for black people because they're going to believe nothing changes for me because right. I don't go to brunch. Police are still hassling me. So mm. why should I vote for you? That's yeah. not it's, it's both bad, but it's also a go nowhere policy. You yeah. Know, what yeah. is, you know. And so where the Democrats, their challenges, there's no. Everyone wants to diminish the voters supporting mm-hmm. Sanders uh, and obviously the quote unquote Bernie bros. There's something toxic there, mm-hmm. but you know, especially with Atlantic voters who are there, there are a lot of people who are kind of like, no, I am broke. No, I right. am, there are oh, problems. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, getting Trump out, whereas there's no one saying mean things on TV, no one's breaking the law, which actually does not, you know, the idea of what the he's doing, the DOJ if mm-hmm. you're just getting pulled over by the cops all the time, if you're, and I'm not, I'm not trying to infantilize these people or say they don't care about the law, but it's like, that does not, what pisses Nicole Wallace off, mm-hmm. what makes her very frustrated is not mm-hmm. quite what's connecting, you know, for them, it's like, no, I want healthcare. I want these things. Yeah. There is a, you know, a huge, there's a sense of wanting change within the system and, yeah. the, and, and no one, so no one is speaking that. We don't yet have the candidate who's doing that, the candidate right. who is turning that up. So, you know, there's that lack of intersection, whereas, and then Biden has black support. His benefit was fascinating. 
he is by virtue of being white, he's not mm. yet been marginalized as the um, Jesse Jackson candidate. Right. Because there's no way, I've said this repeatedly, there's no way that Kamala Harris could get her ass kicked in Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, and Nevada. Right. right. And then wins she, by the same margin. She could have had a Hillary Clinton margin. And yeah. they would say it doesn't count. Yeah, because exactly. Because we've, we've got to win white voters. And she's not winning yeah. white voters. There's still a sense of, well, Joe will bring those white voters home in a general election. It's like, I'm not seeing that. Like, you know, I right. might vote for Joe. You ha- he has not demonstrated like his trouncing in these white states, New Hampshire was a a state Clinton narrowly won. It's an right. open primary. Sanders did better mm-hmm. with um, independents, which you would need. Uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar was the choice of moderates and Republicans. And mm-hmm. also 120,000 people voted for Donald Trump still. And he yeah. was barely contested. And Joe right. couldn't get any of those people to come save him in right. that race. So, you know, it's this weird thing of like, I don't know what the coalition is. No one is showing me a coalition. Like even, you know, Hillary's coalition again, you know, that's a matter of arguably, and I'm not to diss how they, the campaign was run. It's more of like, okay, a, just some tweaks in the campaign could be a different result. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I've, I've, I've actually like had like, this sounds so ridiculous. I've had like fantasy strategies of how I feel like she should have gone about it. One, she should not have picked Tim Kaine. Yes. (laughs) Two, um, two, like, you know, she was a Senator in New York. So that's why she launched in New York. But I also felt like she should have immediately gone to Flint, Michigan and gone to places that were like that were dealing with huge issues that were intersectional. Like these were black communities suffering under environmental racism and show right away what's going on. And then there's a great book. I don't know if you've gotten to read it. It's called the turnout gap. It's by um, Bernard Alfraga. And um, he said that one of the reasons why um, even if voter suppression is an issue, right? Say like the VRA is back intact, you know, put back together. Um, There's still groups, black and Latinx voters that aren't coming out. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to investigate why that was. And then he realized that a lot of these groups weren't getting the outreach. They weren't being told their vote counted. They weren't being told their vote was valuable. And so they didn't vote. Yeah. They said, uh, you know, so to me, one of the things that, uh, that Hillary missed the mark on was, who she was targeting to come out because yes, our party, the Democratic Party as a whole, is still majority white, not in the way the Republican Party is, but it's still around sixty percent. And this is going to be the highest. Um, this will be the the largest Latinx um, eligible voters we've ever had. Uh, same with Black voters, but Latinx will pass in just a tiny bit. Um, black voters still seem to be turning out at a higher rate than Latinx voters. Um, so to me right now, whoever is going to try to build that coalition, and I still don't know. So that, that's what I want to ask you. What, who do you think right now needs to drop out to try to shore this thing up? Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think? And then I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what I saw on Twitter today. Um, someone on, uh, on Twitter had pointed out of where if Biden was stronger, they would be, these people wouldn't be running. The zombie cabinet candidates wouldn't be running anyway. Right. But right. You know, to the Hillary thing, it's like, again, that was she had the coalition and it was like a focus, I think, again, of getting those suburban. I mean, Bloomberg speaking at the convention to me is 
Um, and I, maybe Castro spoke there. I can't say for sure. But my, my sense being that that was a focus on, oh, getting reasonable Republicans to reject Trump, which did not happen right. in tremendous right. numbers. That did not right. happen because right. that's how Trump got from 11 million in the primary to 63 million in the general. Because people are going to vote like, I don't care how terrible it is. I want Gorsuch in the White House, in the, in the Supreme Court. I want Kavanaugh. So right. chasing that suburban white vote was, was, was I think, a bad idea and, like, I think, gets you back to Tim Kaine as a choice. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the coalition was there. I mean, her support with, with Latinx voters is, is tremendous. And, and you saw yeah. that there. She did, I think, still... People keep thinking how she did with black voters was a floor, mm. you know, or, you know, like, well, oh, you know, Buttigieg wins. We'll still get high 80s. It's like, or Klobuchar. It's like, no, mm. Hillary Clinton had a very good relationship with black voters. Mm-hmm. And she still did not do as well as Obama for obvious right. reasons, because there's yeah. no Michelle. Mm. Uh, so here it's like, I don't, I, honestly, I don't see the, co- where's the coalition? I feel like, okay, I get ex- just looking at how people form, I get excited from Sanders doing well with working class voters, Latinx voters, union mm-hmm. labor. I was like, okay, I could see where we get the Rust Belt back, right? Right. And then um, Biden is like, oh, he's he's his support on black voters is not just that he's riding coattails with Obama. I mean, some of that, but I mean, I feel like with Clyburn behind it, you know, he really, I think mean, he, he he's. He, they were gonna, they're gonna come out for him. He was winning right. younger black voters, which yeah. I felt was a good sign. I was looking for that compared to, mm-hmm. you know. So, so there's that, but it's like, where do you combine it? And then right. meanwhile, the problem is there's this all or nothing. I feel mentality amongst mm-hmm. some moderates. So this idea of like, well, if Biden wins, well, we don't need to kind of build a coalition. We've won. Let's put Klobuchar on the ticket. I'm like, what? Oh God. I, that, you know, that, I, that, that's not, that's a losing ticket and it's like, <laughs> by any means. It's like, she, you know, but it's, it's, it's this idea of like, I get people not liking Sanders. I even right. get people not liking Warren, but it's like, if you look at this, it's like, okay, if Biden even if wins, he's got, I mean, maybe if it's Sherrod Brown, no one wants to give up that Senate seat, but he's, yeah. there's gotta be some populist left wing You've got to connect those two because it, obviously there's lack, there, there's a sense of neither of the two front runners are speaking to the entire coalition the way Obama yeah. and, 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 and fairness, Obama really struggled with um, white working class, yeah. um, which is why Biden was a good choice mm-hmm. um, at the time. Uh, Clinton was crushing him with that group in yeah. 2008. But, you know, uh, so maybe that's a theory, but like, I don't, Klobuchar is no Biden, the sense of shoring that up in oh, the sense no, of there's no. no, I mean, look at how, where her votes are, Republicans and um, suburban whites. And that's a very niche group. And if you're ceding the working class to Sanders, if you're refusing, I feel like the biggest mistake you could ever make is to, I feel like Democrats made it with Trump and are still making it. It's like, not like a candidate deservedly, but to not like a candidate so much that you refuse to see any of their strengths. Yeah. That just makes you sloppy. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's, you know, the Trump's connection to the white working class, the sense that he is, if you're talking about a white Obama. He is that in the sense of white work, you know, people are going to come out for him. You have to oh, be yeah, prepared. He's, he's going to get white not, guys out for him. 
Yeah, that's he's not going to lose any of that. And that's one of the things uh, I would watch pundits go, ooh, he's very unpopular. Ooh, he's very unpopular. And I just said, have you all not been alive for the last, I don't know, 20 years? Have you not seen how Republicans snap right back into place right before elections? When his um, numbers started going back up again, I felt um, – Part of it had a little bit had to do with the impeachment um, because I feel like, you know, if you have state TV, if you have Fox TV, Fox News TV telling people, you know, this is a witch hunt. I think that's very successful messaging that has worked for him. Mm -hmm. It did make his numbers rise a little bit. But it was also to me, they always go come home to roost. Right. And so for me right now, when I'm looking at the Democratic Party um, and I see that we are we haven't issues. We have issues here with this primary right now. I, to me, I think it's a little delusional that Klobuchar isn't considering dropping out even today. I think it's, um, I understand why Pete would like to stay in. Um, I, someone tweeted, um, this guy's not into win, um, the presidency. He's in to get a great DC job when this is done. And I agree with that. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That is what he's doing right now. Cause he is unemployed. Um, <laughs> Warren, I can see staying in to the entire time. I think I, I don't know. I think she wants to be Sanders VP, but tell me what you think about, who is staying in, why they're staying in, but who should drop out? It's uh, strange. I was thinking about that as well because, like, Jeb in 2016 drops out after, 20, after South Carolina. Um, and his, I mean, he had not won, quote-unquote, Iowa or had done as well as, as a judge. But there's an argument of, like, you – it's one thing – I mean, Warren is kind of hovering around the same number – Klobuchar had a momentum. It's like, okay, you started high and you, to go from, you know, mid twenties to 8% and you fell that low because you clearly, the base of the party, a significant base of the party rejected you thoroughly. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, it's not like you shot someone in between then, mm-hmm. right? Like when people yeah. were talking about, well, Biden's going to have a comeback because Clinton had a comeback. It's like, well, Biden didn't have Jennifer Flowers. Like, like, like so he, you know, Trump, you know, Clinton survived Jennifer Flowers. That was what was happening during the primaries. Yeah, we had to go on yeah. sixty minutes and and with with Hillary in the headband and talk about yeah. causing pain in the marriage and stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's a that's how you come back, sure. Mm. So you know, um, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The fact that no one's dropping out is just nuts. I mean, because to yeah. me, it's like, okay, sure, Yang, uh, Michael Bennett, who I forgotten was running Steyer sure Mm -hmm. but like actual of the serious candidates to be dropping out by now and the only reason Cruz and Rubio's took around after you know Trump was clearly by any normal measure the front runner was because the the establishment was terrified of Trump so there's a tacit approval for them to stick around and try to deny him to the to the to the uh, the, uh, the delegate majority because otherwise the, the, what's the best thing everyone usually lays down and dies and coalesce behind the actual presumptive front runner 
usually mm-hmm. right after Super Tuesday, if not before, so they can right. spend the, you know, the next few months getting the party together, holding fire at either the, especially if it's an incumbent president, and and not trying to and not being battered and broke by the end of it. And right. so when Buttigieg is saying, well, it's best for the typical Pete, best for the country and the party for me to continue. No, it isn't. Like on what right. level, you know, right. uh, you, there's, there's no sense of, again, Biden proved that this can be a two person race. So if the establishment right. was terrified of Sanders, okay, I get why they're giving this approval. But now mm. it's like, to me, it's like an example of what is going on with the party that no one has talked to Buddha judge and been like, yeah, you need to get out. So <laughs> Who you, will never, you will never, you will never. Well, it's not going to be Tom. It's not going to be Tom Perez. Right. So who, well, who's so the usually person? Tom Perez. You would think it's like Tom Perez or like in the GP, GOP side, it's like, it would be Rona McDonald or anyone who controls the purse strings. Right. Right. And, and, and Mitch McConnell being like, you're not going to get a dime from us. Right. You, your career is, you need to get out, which right. is what they would have told. Like, again, if Rubio, if Jeb or even Cruz had performed like Trump up through South Carolina, Rubio's gone because they would have had that talk with him. It's like, no, you right. want, if you want any of anything after this, you need to get out to not make this bad. So mm. generally sticking around helps if you are much like Sanders in 2016, you have a safe seat. You're already kind of anti-establishment. You're going to ride this out. Right. You can, you can, you can survive being annoying. Whereas mm-hmm. obviously he was mathematically eliminated in March. So should have gotten right. out by normal <laughs> rules here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like there's no, there is no path. And I think it goes, and the fact people in the party should understand that a lot of the horse race stuff is BS Yeah, because it's just about the dynamics of the race. We saw that in 2016 on the, Republican side and the Democratic side. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a state that demographically favors Sanders. Uh-oh, is Hillary in trouble? Oh, I here's know. a state that demographically favors Cruz. You know, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. he won. Is he in trouble? And then Trump, of course, crushed Cruz in the Northeast. It's like, mm-hmm. this, there are dynamics that set. The right. dynamics are set. Right. He is never going to do more than 2% among black voters. He'll yep. get crushed pretty much everywhere. I mean, he's mm-hmm. done I mean, the whitest states have gone already. Or even if he does, it's not enough to you're not going to win. So all you can right. do is and it's not about blocking Sanders, because if your goal is to try to that's a la, that's a worst case scenario, because trying mm-hmm. to deny Sanders a majority so that you have to go to a convention so that someone else can win is a disaster. Yeah. GP right. will exploit it. You're not going to win. It, you know, you turn off the West Wing. I love the West Wing. <laughs> But it ain't like Jimmy Smith's giving some great speech from the yeah. floor, even though he didn't have all the delegates. And then he get, wins it on the second round. And then he somehow still beats Alan Alda. Like someone could beat Alan Alda. Like, no, no. That, that is, that's a fantasy. A contested convention right. is a disaster. You might as well just, oh, I agree. you know, let, let Trump win and yeah. have inauguration in September when it's better in DC and let it yeah. do like that. You know, that's a disaster. So, Right now, you have a chance for Biden to decisively win. So mm-hmm. in theory, everyone should be like, anyone who's not Biden, drop out. The problem right. is that the, you run the risk that, that Sanders does have a lot of second, 
you know, choice support from certain candidates. Like, So I've know. been looking at that because Morning Consult does a very good job of saying like who the second choice is. And actually today, um, Kabir Khanna from CBS News uh, posted the new CBS poll, YouGov poll. I don't know if you got to see it yet, mm-hmm. but this was taken before um, Biden's performance in South Carolina. And right now he it was already getting a little bit of a bounce, which I found was interesting in California, because remember in California, I think he was pulling at 11%. Like even last week, I was like, oh my God, he's, you know, (laughs) Sanders is going to crush him. But now he's pulling at 19% there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Warren's pulling at 18. Uh, Sanders is still at 30%. But if, you know, if they're going to have three people that can get that, um, that'll be viable, then uh, Sanders will, um, won't come out as strong from California. And we don't know if there's going to be like a, like a house effect from this polling this week. So regardless of what we think about, I personally think Amy and Pete need to drop out now. What is Warren? What is Warren thinking right now? Like, what do you think? What do you think her plan is right now? Uh, I also would have, I mean, yeah, well, what I think than what her plan, I, I have no idea, to be honest. There's no path. Yeah. She's been losing. Now, like when, if it reminds me of Kasich, right? I won Ohio and he's got the bottle of champagne open. And so I'm like, congratulations, <laughs> dude. But, uh, <laughs> you've lost every race, but the state where you're popular, you weren't yeah. humiliated like Rubio. So it was like yeah. a night where Kasich won the state he should have won and Rubio got humiliated publicly. Okay, fine. Yeah. But that's not... So, you know, this idea, I have no idea what, what she is thinking. I mean, I know Klobuchar and Buttigieg, in theory, the idea of like trying to block Sanders with the hope that maybe you get, you know, something on the floor or get rewarded right. with a VP race. But here you're just right. annoying, annoying Biden. Right. Uh, right. So it's like, generally speaking, you should be out and, and campaigning for that person. Um, I don't know if, Frankly, obviously, people who are anti-Sanders would want Warren endorsing him and campaigning for him because even right. if her numbers aren't bad, she can help him. In certain, I mean, uh, having you know a surrogate out there helps helps your um, uh, uh, campaign a great deal. Uh, it, I just, I felt like South Carolina spoke in such a way. The black people spoke in such a way that it is mm-hmm. somewhat offensive. You have. Because these four states, it's like essentially there's a year of campaigning there, right? Right. And so if the demos have spoken Mm -hmm. um, and there's no hope, and especially a case of where here's where Buttigieg's strength is and here's where it isn't and it's never going to improve, it feels insulting to not do it. I mean, and and Warren has always had a very – I've always been a fan of Warren. I thought mm-hmm. originally yeah. that she was like a kind of Sanders compromise candidate, like mainstream, you know, mainstream had the plans, had the stuff, but had the plan for how the stuff would happen, perhaps right. unlike Sanders, um, but was also representing a progressivism and also a righteous anger. I mean, for me, yeah. I wanted to see a bit of anger from the candidate other than yeah. like, well, you know, like a, a fighting spirit. So yeah. I like that, but she was never, I, I clearly was a minority within my group and that she was never getting it. And like, look, if you aren't winning the black vote and you know, you have the badass sister of all badass sisters campaigning for you, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Presley. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like you just, which is also a warning sign to anyone thinking that um, Kamala Harris or any other black person or black woman on your ticket is going to help you. Right. Of course. You got to yeah. bring it yourself. People don't come out for the opening act. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it just, it's not going to happen. So yeah, I just feel like you, you should, it's just not, that path isn't there. It's very interesting. She had, um, it was circulating amongst some of my friends, you know, obviously some of my white friends of her appearance on Stephen Colbert. It's oh, a great yes. appearance. That's not, but right. It's a very white, his show is very, he has a very white audience. I was surprised Jimmy Kimmel, actually more black people watch Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, I Colbert. didn't know that. Yeah. That I saw that I was looking, yeah. And uh, she saw, I mean, in a daily show was famously not many people. I mean, and it's oh. interesting. Colbert and Stewart used to make fun of that because this idea of like, you can kind of do that if you're white. It's kind of like, oh, this group never watches our show. If you're black, you can't really do that. You know, that white people don't watch your show or don't like you right. that much because it means that you're not good. But, you yeah. know, so. Yeah. Uh, and. But that's always been a very, you know, co- white, college-educated, liberal lane. That's not very broad. You know, there's right. a lot of people who don't watch those shows, obviously. And she was had trouble breaking through that. She had trouble connecting to, um, you know, minority women in a way. Which, which also, uh, you know, as much as I enjoyed her beating up um, Mike Bloomberg, Bloomberg the past yeah. few times, and deservedly yeah. so, mm-hmm. what was so fascinating to me is, like, to, what was the biggest opening against Joe Biden, both in his relationship with the black community, but also his idea of getting things done. I mean, she she alluded to his ability, his sense of making being desperate to make deals with McConnell, that he would trade good ideas for bad. She right. alluded to that, but like she never, you know, Anita Hill happened, that happened on his watch. Clarence yeah. Thomas is objectively one of the worst Supreme Court justices we've ever had. I was surprised we no one hit him about that. We don't have a, we've truly, not to, I don't like to play the game of you're not really black or you're not this, but, you know, when you're married to Virginia Thomas, the most <laughs> evil person She's of any girl. race, right. and, you know, every vote, it's like, it's clearly, we don't have anyone, like, who's, you know, sense of reflecting what matters to the black community He's just mm-hmm. clearly antagonistic toward us. Clarence yeah. Thomas is the worst. And it happened on Joe Biden's watch. Yeah. And I feel like, no, if you ask people under a Buddha judge, like asking people under a, you know, 40, um, yeah. they would be surprised that Democrats had the Senate when Thomas right. was confirmed. Like, right. I, I feel like that's something we just assume of, oh, well, by, you know, what can Democrats do? It's like same with Kavanaugh, right? It's like, no, right. like this is a huge loss, like, which right. I feel like Republicans would not permit. Like if someone was running and they were the chair of the judiciary and Republican controlled, obviously wasn't the case when, when um, RBG was confirmed, but like mm-hmm. RBG got past them. That's a non-starter in a Republican primary. It's like, how did right. this, you let that lady on the Supreme <laughs> Court? Like that's a non-starter. And yet, know. you know, that you let, and aside from, you know, how Nita Hill was treated, which you feel like you could, you know, certainly with black women and the sense of every scar on our collective yeah. psyche that, that, that Thomas has left, which yeah. reflects his ability of like, oh, I made this deal with Dan, you know, with a Republican senator to get this done quickly. Yeah. Oh no. It's like, and, and why wasn't he hit on that? 
I I, I was no waiting sense. for it. I wait. I was waiting for it. But what I was thinking was that black women are just not at the front, forefront of their mind, let alone black people. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's why I knew. And I was. I told. I told my husband. I said, I'm waiting for the the needle for them to hit him on Anita Hill, and and Joe would deserve it. But no one brought it up. And I was just like, I cannot, that's such a, such an easy thing because she could have gone, Warren could have gone from straight from hitting uh, Bloomberg on, you know, when he said the horse face lesbian. And I know that it's even worse than what she said with that, which is awful, but then gone straight to Biden with, with Anita Hill. She would have been, it would have been a knockout all the way around. But to me, one of the most problematic things of this field that was left Yes, I do see that Joe Biden has genuine connections to the black community. And I have not seen that with any other candidate. And yes, Bernie Sanders has expanded his and he's doing better than Buttigieg for, by miles and better than Amy by miles. But Joe is still doing so much better than him. And Warren also just doesn't genuinely have that. And it's interesting to me um, that... It's kind of just occurring to them when they're on the stage that they don't have that. Yeah. They don't have that uh, that ability or they just haven't done that before. And so to me, um, that's why this overall, this primary season has been really tough for, for, for me to watch. I, I mean, I understand that um, I thought that because of Trump, this is sometimes my naivete comes in, you know, and it's all like, well, because we had Trump. We're going to have this really progressive field and we're going to have this diverse field. It's going to be inclusive and it's going to talk about disability uh, issues. It's going to talk about health care. It's going to talk about uh, immigration. It's going to talk about jobs. And then it just was a mess. I do blame like legacy media in a lot of ways. Um, I feel that they themselves do not know how to talk about issues intersectionally. They do not know how to talk about uh black community issues. They don't know how to talk. And therefore it is, it is something that has been problematic from the get go. I mean, when I saw the way that the, um, the way that the media was handling Kamala Harris's, um, candidacy, I thought it was negligent. And to me, if they were handling every candidate like that, I was like, well, they're they're equally being awful to everybody, and I just did not see it. And when but I saw she was them, never and, viewed as the most one of the more electable candidates. Yes, um, and like, there was always a bias to this. And you know, um, I don't think you should make hay of Buttigieg's sexuality, obviously. But oh yeah, you know yeah. the idea. There was all this talk about well, well someone in Ohio vote for a black woman. A lot of this is voter suppressive because mm-hmm. black people were paying attention to this, right? Black people who yeah. are scared of Trump. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if white people are going to vote for a black woman. Oh yeah. boy, this, this black woman, she, you know, man, she let her uterus dry up and never had children of her own. And yeah. I don't know, like, yeah. Oh no. I, there's it all was... this type of stuff. Whereas Buddha judge yeah. was like, had a husband. It's like, okay, that's somewhat mm-hmm. of a major cultural change. Are you sure right. that Absolutely. all of these, especially when all these suburban, you have a Bradley effect potential of all these suburban whites having a clear exit ramp of, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm not voting against him because he's, you know, gay, but like he's clearly, mm-hmm. because he's clearly unqualified, but they never address that. So when right. you choose to address liabilities and I never, I never read any, it was all about how historic his candidacy would be rather than yeah. any liability. Whereas yeah. Harris, 
equally historic. I just never read anything that wasn't about the liability. Same with um, Warren. Uh, yeah. She was getting a lot of that Hillary treatment as well. So mm-hmm. that is its own sort of self-fulfilling prophecy within the oh, Democratic. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, it's fair, and it just infuriated me when uh, Peter is speaking towards to the uh, Al Sharpton's group in South Carolina, and it's like, oh, well, gosh, gee, really, you know, I'm aware that just white people now, it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, you took Kamala Harris's donors, and you entered a race, you know, um, you entered a race with, you know, Kristen Gillibrand and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, all these women who were clearly more qualified than you. Mm -hmm. And you enter this space leaning in so clearly under privilege. Like what, it's not like you invented an iPhone. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you are entering the presidency and it's like, okay, well, I know that I have not been elected statewide like these women have and this black man has. I didn't run as big a city as Castro and been in the cabinet, but I do have a working time machine. It's like, okay, yeah. I'll work for the, I'm going to vote for the guy with the time machine. Like, if you share yeah. your TARDIS technology with me, all right. Yeah. But like, that's not what happened. It was just, oh, oh I'm going to bring the country together, buzzword platitude. I'm also going to steal from the Barack platitude, Obama. Talking in platitudes has been his entire thing. And one of the things that I was completely insulted by, by his candidacy was when he was suggesting that South Carolina voters didn't support him because he's gay. And it was insulting on so many levels as indicating that there aren't older black gay people. So let's just like, just yes. ignore that demo. Right. And the fact that, I mean, to me, I was horribly insulted. by so horribly by, insulting as the yeah. idea of just how, what we act, especially experience we might have with young people like Buddha judge before you even get to their race, to their, to their, uh, sexuality in the mm. workplace. So I right. missed the old written about that. The guy, the young guy comes in, starts writing your meetings and walks off of your promotion. That's Buddha mm. before. So any reaction of either again, like Occam's razor here, the black voters aren't supporting you. Maybe it's because, and it was a very weird thing. It's like, maybe it's the white people who have a discrimination issue. Because there's right. all these qualified minorities, and they are like falling over themselves with un- the clearly less qualified guy. Like, right. yeah, send the mayor of South Bend to you know deal with Brexit and the European Union falling apart, right. and you know, uh, and, his and, foreign and policy you- is weak, 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 weak. Did well, you see? Yeah, you know, so, this, I mean, I know he had the first name, like Biden saying, so I'm on a first name relationship with these people, and that's the thing yeah. that's come up of like. People do not realize. They just think that it's like all a reset. Like, okay, well, we elected Trump. Don't worry. Don't worry, Europe. We'll never do that again. You can trust us. I mean, you know, we invaded the wrong country before. Don't worry. We'll never do that again. It's like, no, no, we have a bad, we've really damaged, we've frayed relationships. We need someone in the room, Angela Merkel, who knows her by first name, as Biden says. Like there's a lot of arguments he was making and this guy's like, not, it's all about his potential and all of this. And again, going yeah. back to that meeting with when he's talking about, you know, I humble myself to you, but it's not humble. I mean, Obama, when Obama ran, he said, this is audacious. Right. He admitted yeah. that he was being audacious. Nothing humble about running, trying to do the job, you know, get a job over, over more qualified women and, 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 yeah. and 
men of color. And mm-hmm. then to say of like, well, I'll elevate your boy. He was like leading into all these things of just, it's always shocking that I, I mm-hmm. forget that he's, un- he's 38 because I'm yeah. a 45 year old uh, black person. And it's like, wow, I'm hearing stuff that like, he was in high school when white guys are saying this, right? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or even younger of like, yeah. oh no, don't worry. I'll elevate your voice. Right. You know, you know I'm, I'm, every woman's heard that, right? Of like mm-hmm. when the guy comes in and gets a job, it's like, oh, I don't worry. When I'm in that meeting, I'll make sure your issues with your department's heard. It's like, well, or I could have gotten this promotion yeah. and advocated for my department or myself. But no, I mean, that that's like such BS. Like, right. why are you giving us this stuff that's like 20, 30, like, where, where did you go? All your education, you didn't take a feminist course or cultural history, reads and You know what? Sometimes I wonder, though, too, is he be, is his narrative being driven by polling data? Like, is, is, are, is Liz Smith, are they saying, OK, listen, Pete, we've seen that this type of rhetoric works. Let's use this. And I'm it sure ha- that's the case. This involves yeah. never talking to black people or whatever or to women. It's <laughs> so fascinating because it's like, and you said this after, well, you were running on the heartland that you literally said last month that we need a candidate from the Midwest to reach yeah. Trump voters. That's the only way. It has to be yeah. someone from the Midwest. So yeah. a while ago, you were saying that Kamala Harris or Cory Booker or Castro, who was still in the race, you know, couldn't do the job. Right. Because you had to be from the Midwest, had to be able to speak to rural voters, quote unquote, oh, white. Yeah. And then yeah. now you're saying, oh, let me elevate your voice. It's like, well, why couldn't yeah. Kamala or Cory or Julian elevate the voices of these Midwest white people. So yeah. you're not even being consistent. It's like, okay, we have to represent the Trump voters, but now let me just, you know, maybe talk some over to play. It's just, it's infuriating. And it's like, no, if you're, again, if you need 90% of a demo, if you need 70% of a demo, you need someone who has like, man, I mean, I'd be happy with an Eminem type Candidate, like whatever, <laughs> like lived in a neighborhood or something. Like he's like yeah. one of the whitest people in the world. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so no, that no, field, they are. it's like like well, yeah. duh. Like every like the mystery of why it wasn't working. It was just like the like someone have a mystery of why they don't play Taylor Swift at beauty parlors. <laughs> well, what's going on? We brought in experts. Maybe it's homophobia. Yes. Like like yeah. what? It's just like it, it's a very frustrating. It's like well, of course he's not connecting. To, but you see him in a church, how embarrassing, like, it's embarrassing. Oh, like, oh, yeah. of course. He's, he's not also, even like Bill Clinton. Oh, my gosh. No, oh, no, no, no. And and to me, one of the things that I think a lot of us have seen that was wrong from the get-go is to start with Iowa, to start with New Hampshire, to drive this narrative, to center majority, not majority, like majority, majority white states, um, and to drive the narrative around that, to make these um, candidates have to appeal just to those voters, that that to me, obviously, and a lot of other people feel this way, it was a mistake. It was a mistake oh, yeah. to start all out in that way. Bad. And, I would, and it's a bias because, you know, how does, how does you don't get a meth of Pete if the first states were California or Florida, which are what? I mean, right. to me, you have a year, right? Right. So you have a year. That's enough time to travel either California or Florida, which are very huge, very different. You've got the Panhandle in California. You've got, you know, um, Miami Dade. You've got very different cultures there. And so the Pete myth does not explode there. You very clearly see his gaps in that community. 
And so, but this idea of where minorities are clearly at a disadvantage, the two states are states that culturally in every way is very different. It's like you making them try to, to win Paris or something. And then yeah, like, it, yeah. it is such a cultural, cultural bias. And again, I was like, we were talking about hiring discrimination. It was like, you were seeing this sort of cultural bias in the sense of, oh, um, uh, well, Obama did it, which is it's just always right. frustrating, right? It's like, well, right. he's, he's once in a lifetime. So it's always the, theory, the one black why, person who why? did something that like, which is not, you know, that's not equitable. The situation yeah. where, well, one black person did this, one woman did this, and then, you know, Joe Blow, the mediocre white guy can do it multiple yeah. times is not yeah. equitable. That's clearly biased. Right. And, you know, it is, um, it's just, just profoundly, profoundly wrong Iowa. And it's, does, it's not to the betterment of the party to start in right. Iowa and New Hampshire. And I'd written about Agreed. this a while back, that if you do, it makes total sense for the Republican Party. You know, right. Iowa, Christian right. conservatives, yeah. it was a big deal that, you know, Trump, the guy from New York, came in mm. second in Iowa. Yeah. Like, that was a big deal. Him, women in New Hampshire with independence and, and so, you know, and then South Carolina. Like, so it's a logical progression. There's yeah. a, re, you know, you don't have Republicans starting their primaries in Oregon and uh, even New York where there are right. Republicans, but it's like, it's a very, the type of Republicans are different there's a bias towards, you know, how many number of white, it, it, this, it just doesn't make any sense. So there's mm-hmm. a sense of like, this is going to get us not very good candidates. Right. You know, it's going to be very hard every year that we're going to see more of this until it's changed. I, I'm hoping that one, that we still have a democracy uh, the <laughs> next time this happens. <laughs> one. Um, two, I hope that, uh, that Tom Perez either steps down or if he doesn't step down, that he recognizes that uh, he has to put a state that's representative of the entire electorate first. That's Maybe absolutely. You know, that, that at least two states have to go first. Um, we're already seeing, I was happy to see pundits take South Carolina seriously last night. Um, I didn't get to watch all the pundits talk, but I did get to see quite a few say, you know, um, because of the um, amount that Biden won by, that we do need to take this seriously. I was I was happy to oh, hear yeah. that. You know, it was good. I mean, Perez had this whole. You were saying about Perez stepping down. What interests me mm-hmm. is that he. What do you think? It just seems like the party made choices to appease, perhaps Sanders and uh, Sanders supporters, yes. with the goal that Sanders was going to be the one to flame out by like Kamala did. Right. Right. And that we don't have to worry about it. And then suddenly they were, so it was just a really passive aggressive and short sighted rather than addressing the issues, standing up for whatever they believe. If you believe in superdelegates, if you believe in this, stand mm-hmm. up for it, stand up for that Clinton literally that legitimately won stand mm-hmm. up for the process was fair. They had trouble doing that. And so right. you got in this situation here, without addressing the issue, believing that they're really, maybe this was a fluke and we'll go back and everything will be normal, which is right. to me bad leadership. Oh, absolutely. And I, it's interesting. I, my grandfather uh, taught at American university. So when I was a kid, I'd go to Washington DC quite a bit as a kid. And uh, he was around a lot of politicians because they fund, they help fund the schools and things like that. And, um, I, I saw what a bubble Washington, D.C. is. 
And, um, and, and to me, like the DNC is a bit of a bubble. There's all these like little bubbles and they're not really looking outside of that and seeing, um, I was, I was not surprised, um, that, that Sanders would have so much sway over them. I was surprised that they were so naive to think that even if they changed the rules to appease him, that he still wouldn't have frustrations with those rules. I mean, cause you saw now he's going back and forth about how he feels about the superdelegates mm. that before he felt, uh, we don't need to have, if you have a plurality, that doesn't mean you automatically get the, the superdelegates. We need to let them decide. Now he's saying, if you have a plurality, then you should get that. I mean, he's going back and forth. And um, I think people are not understanding that he, and this is one of my inherent issues with him, is that um, there's some similarities in how him and Trump behave. I'm not, their policies are completely different. I'm not comparing them in that way. I'm comparing the the typical politician uh, uh, aspect of him where people are like, no, he's different. He's revolutionary. He's this. No, he's behaving in a typical politician in lots of similar ways. He's willing to change and change and change. And that was one of my issues, even with Warren, you know, she's like, I'm not going to take super PAC money. No, 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 I will. And even with the healthcare policy issues, she was willing to change. I'm okay with the fact that you have to change sometimes mm-hmm. with, with, with what happens to me, Kamala Harris recognized early on that it would be very difficult to pay for a Medicaid for all. She recognized that there'd be some issues that there'd have to be multiple steps and people did not accept that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Warren also recognized that she's like, well, I want to get there too. Um, but there's not to be multiple steps and people murdered her from that. Even Sanders has said, listen, we're not going to get it right off the bat, but we're going to get there. Yeah. So he's essentially saying the same thing that Kamala's saying and that Warren is saying. And that is what my issue is, is that to me, he's been able to get away with saying hypocritical things without getting hit really yes. hard in the media by it, you know? And they weren't making a choice. I felt like the, they should have made a choice that made sense that they believed would be effective if you ever had another contested convention. Right. Which they right. didn't. So, and now there are people who are, um, I've seen on Twitter who very much dislike Sanders. Again, not disputing their right to do that, but then they're like, well, he came up with those rules. So tough noogie. It's like, well, even, well, why did you suddenly agree that Sanders has a good idea? This is probably a, (laughs) it's a very bad idea. This might be a good, you know, like, like to, I don't see how you win. If basically, especially when we have been, everyone in their mother says Hillary Clinton won the presence because she won the most votes. Right. So that's what Democrats believe. So yeah. you, no matter what you think of Sanders, there's no way you come. And then this white savior thing, there was a list of, I saw someone circulating of like people they put forth on the floor. They were all yeah. white guys, except for, of course, Kamala was in as a nicety, right? And Michelle mm-hmm. Obama, yeah. because, you know, like that she's a new Oprah. And then Chris yeah. Coons. <laughs> like, Chris Coons, what's going Like, you just don't even bother showing up. Of course, you get crushed if you did that. It's like, yeah. you know, it has to be the person who has the most votes or the most popular. Like, you have to, that the will of the people has been represented in some way. And everything else is just not going to work, especially in our, well, Superdellas can do this or Superdellas could have stopped Trump. It's like, yes, in theory, we want to say that it's great to be able to come in and when the people have chosen wrong, make a better choice. But so let's the say country this. fundamentally hates that idea. It, it right. just it does not work. 
So I will say this, uh, and I'll just ask a couple more questions, and um, sure. then we will wrap it up. But I love—I could talk to you for twelve hours. It'd be a twelve-hour <laughs> podcast. Um, so right now, um, Sanders does have the plurality of um, delegates. He has sixty. Biden has fifty-four. Buttigieg has twenty-five. Warren has eight. Klobuchar has seven. Um, but Biden right now has um, the most has the most popular vote. Has the popular vote right now? He's at twenty-nine percent uh, to Sanders twenty-three percent. Now, it'd be interesting to me. I don't think this is going to happen. But what would happen if uh, Biden goes to the convention with um, the most single votes, with the popular vote, and Sanders comes in with the most delegates? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Hillary had won the popular vote as well. I haven't checked. Yes, she did. And yes. I think the argu- one of the arguments is that a lot of the caucuses, which is unfair in a way, it's like, well, ca- not as many people participate in caucuses. They don't. Oh, I think they're undemocratic. Well. We should not have temp- exactly. I don't think so we should It's have like, caucuses. well, tough noogies, right? Like, okay, yeah. well, that's the pr- fact of having them and this weird first first vote second vote final alignment second breakfast hobbit thing they got going doesn't it's nuts so yeah i mean it's i'll be honest i feel like everything is a disaster <laughs> unless biden needs to definitively win right anderson needs to definitively win i, I agree think, yeah. um i also kind of wish I don't know what your thought on this. I kind of wish that people trusted black voters enough, did not believe that black voters were going to be so swayed by shiny new toy like black, like right. white voters seem to have been. Yeah. Because between Nevada and South Carolina, and no one was ever mm-hmm. to look at the numbers and say, okay, well, here's a likely outcome after after South Carolina. So let's, you know, people like Carvel other members of the quote-unquote Democratic establishment could have spent a week appealing to Sanders voters in a weird way, right? Saying, oh, well, yeah. you know, if whoever wins, we're going to support them every bit of the way, and we're going to, I'm sure we're still going to beat Republicans and all the bad things they believe up and down the ticket, and that's what they way, and then, you know, they cut the mic and say, oh, God, you know, think South Carolina's coming, Black people are going to vote, don't worry, you know, you just yeah. said that, right? Instead, mm-hmm. they're, like, talking about denying him at the convention, using yeah. rule votes, how... People who were suddenly vote blue, no, no matter who, were suddenly like, well, I won't vote at all. It's like people who were like yeah. quoting like every time, you know, a bad Supreme Court decision came in, they would blame Stein voters. But yeah, right. suddenly they're like, no, well, this is different. It's like, OK, you shredded your credibility with, yeah. like it or not, at least 20 percent of the party you need to get to vote for Biden because you didn't believe in him. And you didn't believe right. in black voters, you didn't believe in Clyburn, and they delivered. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. He's a popular vote winner. He 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 could possibly get the delegate majority. It could be a, a quote unquote normal race. Yeah. But you spent the past week flipping out. Right. Um and I you know, I I just what you just why why do you think that happened? Well, Gosh, I could probably talk about that for six hours. <laughs> um, well, for you know, let me. I'm going to get back to that, but I want to ask you this: um, What do you? And then I want to. I'll get back to that in a second, but I do want to know this: What do you think happens if Sanders does not win the nomination? Like Biden wins the plurality of delegates, and then Biden wins the plurality of the popular vote. What happens to Sanders' base this time? What do you think happens? Um, 
I think there is a strong contingent amongst, I see on, again, what's on Twitter, it's not the real world, of people who believe right. perhaps the worst of his supporters. And they are just cultists, they won't vote anyway, which right. I find, and those are the people who are using that to excuse putting Klobuchar on the ticket, which to me right. is like, would be a tremendous F you to clearly a significant portion, similar to like with Tim Kaine. It's like, well, pick Warren or pick Sherrod Brown or whatever. I mean, clearly, you know, there was a populist bent in the party. And mm-hmm. why are you, and you're sort of like shutting the door on that and picking Tim Kaine. And so similar, right. you know, why are you shutting the door on that and potentially picking Amy Klobuchar, mm-hmm. you know, going all or nothing. So in theory, the idea would be if you want to avoid potential catastrophe, you would try to say there is there is a liberal wing of the party. It's growing. You know, AOC's growing, you know, that, that squad. And not mm-hmm. that it would be Presley, but there's a there's a weird sense of why no one is talking about people like Presley or people who are to the left who could be a potential balance to a Biden ticket. Instead, yeah. it's very much about being moderate. So right. you know, I don't I mean Anything could happen. Yeah, I tend to think Sanders would probably still endorse Biden, campaign for him, and whatever. Maybe he passively regret. But as, same with they were talking about Bloomberg running. It's like, well, why are you showing me head-to-head polls? There's clearly going to be a third-party challenge. I know. I you mean, know, what, Bloomberg against Bloomberg. Like, why did you think that Stein, that Stein ran against Hillary and? Those votes that you were blaming Stein voters for, costing her the, in the Rust Belt, why, why would Stein not run again against Biden? Like, right? Obviously, wh- what? How are you going to solve that issue of a third party yeah. or a reduction? And so, so I have an, have I have an idea about that. that. Yeah, I have an idea about that, um, and it's something I'm actually going up to Albany on Tuesday which is our state capital in New York state. And I am testifying for the New York voting rights act to say why we need to make sure that's in place. Um, because in New York state, um, like Oregon, you know, you have a it's big and it has lots of white populations of state like New York city, very diverse rest of New York state is no, it's, it's not very, but in um, black um, communities that are like Troy, New York and things like that, they tend to have their votes suppressed. And um, one of the ways I think that we could combat discussing third party or making that a big attention is if legacy media and the candidates agree that they would talk about voter suppression techniques, disinformation, and outreach to voters. I think one of the things that media tends to do is like, oh my gosh, look, look at Jill Stein, look at this. And we didn't know I knew there was voter suppression in 2016, but after 2016, that's all we should have been talking about as to why Hillary Clinton lost. There are so many factors of why she'd lost. But one of the biggest reasons was 1,600 polling places were closed across the United States. Polling locations were moved in all of these communities. The Republicans, again, what great planners. Wow. White supremacy. What a playbook. They were so really pinpointing how to just pick off 20 voters here, 50 voters here, 100 voters here, and they did it in precision fashion. And to me, one of the ways that we can combat discussing third-party challenges or this is to talk about why that is an aspect of voter suppression as well. I mean, you know, Trump is, is so 
he is so skilled at knowing how to 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 suppress the vote. I even think when he's talking about supporting Bernie Sanders too, I mean, part of it is I think he wants to run against him, but I also think he's trying to muddle, muddy the waters by saying that, you know? Yes, voter suppression. You know, right, because we're all saying, wait a second, is he saying he wants to run against Sanders or is he trying to make us feel like he wants to run against Sanders? I mean, and it's clear that he hates Joe Biden because Giuliani wouldn't still be running around. So that is one of, of the things that I think that we could do to address discussing that no matter what happens, no matter who we pick, whether it's Biden or it's or it's Bernie, um, Republicans are going to you know rub their hands together in an evil fashion and say, "Okay, great, now we can mount this." Because all have to all they have to do is break up the various coalitions within the Democratic Party. And my worry with the Sanders base of it is um, because, like I said, I, I don't know how many Sanders supporters you've talked to, but when I talk to them, they are incredibly defensive about the idea of him losing and they're very ready to go with conspiracy. Mm-hmm. They already told me yesterday when I was talking about uh, South Carolina, that the polls are rigged and that those polls couldn't be right in South Carolina. There's no way Biden's at ahead that legacy media did this. These are like Trump talking points. And so that is what worries me that they'll bring that in. Now I will say this. I'm curious as who, if, if Biden wins or Bernie wins, who do you think should pick as a vice president for each of them that would be that would help maybe bring some coalitions together. Um, yeah. What do you think? Um, Sanders is a bit easier, right? Because the um, there's sort of a wealth of moderate balance if you were to do that, or even progressive. Mm-hmm. And like Kamala Harris is a, an easy one, right? He would uh, never pick her. He would, ever. That's the challenge, right? <laughs> like yeah. who he would pick. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I go with like, these are the ones he probably, yeah, it makes sense. He wouldn't do. And then I don't think he would do Tulsi or Nina Turner or, you know, people tend to think that he was going to do some like, would do something, quote unquote, what they deem is crazy. So it's hard to, it's really hard to speculate. Um, yeah. There's Tammy Baldwin, there's Gretchen Whitmer. There are people who, Andrew Gillum is a guy he liked, um, right? So oh, that would be interesting. Um, I know uh, Stacey Abrams, who knows it's, there's a, it's straight. Do you think that Sanders would pick, you think Sanders would pick Stacey Abrams? Would he consider someone like her or, or is Uh, his, it's hard. It's like where, you know, where the person stands, their qualifications and where I believe like how liberal they are compared to also wanting to balance, whether his sense of balance, it's very, it's such a, it's such a choice. It's hard to, to speculate. I, you know, part of me was surprised that Hillary Clinton chose Tim Kaine. It felt a very oh, safe, I was. I do you remember? Choice. Do you remember this? Do you remember when she picked him? Do, where, do you remember? Because I don't remember where I was, but I remember audibly going, "Oh, oh, God, no!" Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that was my that was my response. I mean, I think it was like, and it wasn't. They weren't. Did they, did they do a fist bump or do a something? It was something that recalled Barack and, uh, and Michelle, but like in the worst way possible. So I was like, uh and it was almost like, here's the husband, here's my safe husband to be. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I know. And I, you need your dangerous, like, you know, it's basically, it's almost like you choose a Bill Clinton type VP because, you know, babe, and I, I, I don't want to sound like a jerk about it, but it was like, it's like such a safe choice. So it's very it hard. Was. I didn't think, I felt like, I didn't think she would do that. 
it's very hard to kind of see. Same with Biden. I saw it's like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't do Buddha Judge or so. Doesn't make any sense. Like, who would he choose? Yeah. You know, um, I. Kamala was trending with him all night last night on Twitter. Did you see that? It was uh, hashtag Biden Kamala 2020 all night on Twitter last night. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like obviously she's asked, she would accept. People seem to think of it as this launch pad for her. I think it's a very tough job. Biden is obviously only going to serve one term. The idea of an 84-year-old. Right. You know, serving a second term. I think someone at, in such an age, I mean, those of us who know people in their 80s, right, Mm -hmm. is more likely to be, have their staff surround them and kind of keep the VP away because the VP is the person who is the most likely to benefit from some a 25th amendment situation so it's right. most likely i envisioned like his family so joe biden his chief of staff like okay let's keep this train running but kamala should not know and then of course yeah. whether or not he his decision to run again or not would be very i i predict it would be very late so yeah. everyone else is kind of has the guns ready loaded and then Kamala can't. Right. Kamala can't couldn't make a step because that would be incredibly disrespectful. Right. So she can't show up in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Or, you know, so, uh, you know, I, but at the same time, she could say something. Do you think she'll say something before California? Like, or because, or yeah, do you think I that think, would be ammunition for, for Sanders if, if Kamala um, came? Now would be a good time to endorse. You know, he's won yeah. and she can make it of like the black community spoken, the voters are spoken, et cetera. Yeah. Let's, I think I'm supporting him because it's her state. Right. If, but then if she loses it, but if Sanders still loses, then it, her endorsement would have had very little weight. At the same time, I think she needs to, I would advise still getting on the train now because then afterwards yeah. it just looks like you didn't make a choice you just wait it to right. safe yeah uh, I so I, you know i don't know it, it, it is i think our difficulty figuring out who sanders would pick as vp and like not having a really clear idea other than some terrible ones what biden would do i think also speaks to that schism in the party right right yeah no absolutely i um to me i i think that biden knows or at least has been advised I mean, he's got simone sanders as his senior advisor who i know and i like she's very cool um but we're not besties but we, we dm but we dm okay um <laughs> but um i think he's surrounded by a lot of smart women that are going to say to him you got to have something exciting if you're if you get the if you get the nod, someone exciting has to be with you. And I do feel that Sanders feels the same type of I don't want to say pressure. I think he I, I'm I'm a, I'm listen, I I know I shouldn't assume this. I'm a I'm thinking he knows that he would also have to pick somebody that's a little exciting. To me, um I think it would be it would be ludicrous to pick someone like Amy or, or Pete Buttigieg. But I, I know that VP talks are going to start happening this week as we go into Super Tuesday, and they'll really ramp up. Um, so well, I'll end with this question, and then I need you to stay on the, the, the line with me after I 
click off um, is how how do you think do you think South Carolina's win is going to have like a house effect for Biden? Do you think it's going to move the needle a little bit for him in these Super Tuesday states? Um, well, Sanders, I think the last poll I saw, um, not poll, uh, exit poll, he tied, he was close to tying, I think it was like 25, 26, with Biden just that much ahead of white voters. Right. So, you know, what we could be seeing is if the demographics are set, then it's hard to be a house effect other than mm-hmm. potentially maybe some white voters shifting to him so that he's not blown out in other states. But then mm-hmm. it's just going to be about demographics and where right. there's fewer black people and perhaps more working class, you know. So we'll see like in states like Ohio or Michigan or whatever. Right. And then Florida would be interesting. Bloomberg's kind of throwing that off because he's doing very well there. Um, so I, it's hard. I think there's a house effect. What it would mean is that white people are listening to black voters, which yeah. would be impressive. I just, I'm <laughs> afraid that that is not occurring. Right. I think they're still going to, hey, let me go vote for Buddha judge, or let me go vote for Klobuchar or even Warren, you right. know, and not a sense of here's clearly the person who's going to, Yeah, so we will we will find out um, what happens after Super Tuesday. Um, it's going to be interesting because I'm already seeing the numbers, especially I saw Texas today where Biden is much closer to Sanders. He's at 26%. Sanders is at 30%. Um, and then uh, Biden is leading in North Carolina. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what shifts, I mean, obviously, um, if it, even if they just shift closer to each other, but it'll be interesting to see if Biden um, picks up a little bit of steam. I'll be curious to see how the punditry goes this mm-hmm. week into, um, into Super Tuesday. So I really loved talking to you and Thank listening you. to you. Um, you know, uh, well, you know what? Let me finish with this question. When did you start sharpening your tools to becoming like this political wonk. When do, you, <laughs> when do you think that started happening for you? I was always into politics. I was one of the geek to, to really date myself back when you do, you know, even before Twitter and it's all text-based internet going on internet forums, talking about the Bill Clinton impeachment and stuff like that. So I've always been yeah. interested in politics and, uh, you know, it's, it's a joy and a privilege to be able to, kind of write about it, um, mm-hmm. especially as a person of color, you often don't mm-hmm. get a chance to kind of express your art viewpoints um, yeah. in a way that people can see them. So I, uh, I agree. And, Oh, I know, <laughs> 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 but both of you, both you and I are trying to change that. Thank so. you. Yes. I appreciate it. This is, this has been great. I really enjoyed talking to you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obscene. I'm Maya Contreras. Until next time. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. 
New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.